glory in them stars and stripes forever embedded in the hearts of our heroes worn on soldiers' sleeves I'm revered by allied nations I am worshipped and respected I'm saluted and protected and I'm feared by enemies let my soldiers through the trenches in the fields of every battle I've been torched and burned and set on fire in the nations I set free I've stood solemn as a witness to our heroes final hours name of God Father, Son Holy Spirit I honor thee
Again for a change. Life on the line, they come back to the states and depression is racing. Need help so they won't cut the place suicide. Addiction rates higher than ever. People ashamed for just trying to get better. Alcoholism been calling in victims. This sickness will leave our relationship severed. No, this ain't no joke. On social media, why is everything woke? Wanna buy it, but now they're regretting they votes. Bet you agree, Trump was better than most. I just pray that we never surrender our hope. Innocent folks been paying the price. Can't afford groceries and keeping no lights. Paying more for less and no, none of it's right. It's time to stand up together and fight. Welcome everybody to 105.7 FA's Patriot Radio, Earth Radio, UG Media in the UK, Jay Parker Radio, Paisley Radio, FCM Live, Sword Radio, Crystal Radio, The Hit Network, Replay Radio, and West Rand Radio in South Africa. All right. We're going to have some special guests here tonight. They're already here. Um, Goose and I had the pleasure of meeting these two lovely ladies uh, while we were in Miami at the uh, Reawaken America tour. Um, we had a chance to interview them then. Um, the story was so interesting that we decided, uh, we needed to bring them on here. Uh, so everybody could hear this story and share their story a little more. Right, Goose? That's right. People need to know about this weird stuff that's taking place in our nation. Yeah, weird is not the word for it, but. <laughs> well, just to put them in a nice crazy. way. That was great. Yeah. It was crazy. Um, all right. Um, I have Sylvia and Danielle here. Um, ladies, I think you're on mute here. Let me mute uh, you while the music was on. All right. Can you hear us okay? Yes. Thank you for having yes. us on. 
Welcome, welcome. Oh, sure. Um, what was I going to say now? <laughs> uh, well, if you want to um, go ahead and just introduce yourselves and, and, and then just go ahead and you can, uh, we're going to give you the floor and, uh, and let you uh, share your story with us. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And then uh, we'll, we'll kind of just interject while you're uh, speaking. Yes, please do. And I am new to this app, so um, I'm not too familiar with it. So I'm guessing I just speak and that's it. That's it. Yep. You're, you're okay. Fine. Awesome. Um, so um, I am Sylvia Beachy. I am the co-founder of Rescue the Fosters, um, along with Danielle Holm. And we do have a crazy story and um, it is weird what is happening on, but it's crazy. Um, so um, we, we founded Rescue the Fosters um, to, to basically give the children in foster care a voice. That is our main goal. Um, to give the foster kids a voice, to advocate for them. As, am I echoing? I hear an echo somewhere, but I, I'm not sure where it's coming from. Uh, let me see. Go ahead. Uh, uh, yeah, I'll mute. I'll mute Danielle while you're talking. Go ahead. Okay. Um, the other. Um, so we also want to keep families together. Um, that it that should be the main goal of the foster system. Um, which we found uh, working in the system that is not the goal. So our main goal is to keep families together, keep kids out of foster care, keep uh, give a voice uh, to the foster children, but also help them when they age out of the system. Because what happens when they age out of the system is they are placed right back on the streets. And that is due to the funding. So as soon as the child turns 18 or 21, whatever it is in the state, they literally say, where do you want to be dropped off? And they drop them off on the streets. So um, usually within two years of a child aging out of the foster system, uh, they, they end up in prison. So our goal is to keep them out of the foster, uh, off the streets and out of the prisons and allow them to have a successful adult life without the government. Um, and then um, how how we got started is really interesting. So I was a um, I worked in the foster system for five years. Um, I started working out at Elts Aidmore Group Home as a staff member, and worked there for two years. Um, and we can go into details about the group home, but I don't want to take too much time from Danielle. Um, worked at the a group home for two years. And then I was just seeing things that were happening that uh, was concerning. And I was afraid that something was going to happen to a child and I was going to be accused of whatever. And so I switched positions and I went into case managing thinking that it would be easier and it was actually harder. And this is where we had um, quotas, quotas on children and quotas on keeping children in care. And I had a real issue with this. Um, so I started researching uh, CPS and that's how I, I came across Danielle. So um, Danielle was a parent on social media saying that her child was taken on false um, allegations and uh, perjury. 
And so I wanted to find out because I was being pressured to bring in kids and I was being pressured to maintain kids. So I started reaching out to these parents and I met Danielle and Marietta and her whole case was just fraud. Uh, I mean, complete fraud. So that's how we became friends and founded Rescue the Fosters. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, sorry. I was checking something here. Uh, so I want, yeah, we'll, we'll let, uh, Danielle, um, share her story. Um, Danielle, if you want to introduce yourself and then just, uh, go ahead and, um, you can, you can begin your story there and we'll, we'll go from there. Thank you so much. I'm also new to this, so hopefully you guys can hear me all right. You're fine, um, yep. All right, perfect. So I'm Danielle Hollum, and as Sylvia mentioned, we had met about four years ago. Um, uh, it's a very long story, but I'll keep it as brief as possible. Um, That's all right. you got plenty of time. <laughs> <laughs> um, about seven years ago, um, I was traveling through the state of Alabama and I was pregnant and we were on our way back to Georgia from the West Coast. And I, um, long story short, I went into labor and went to the hospital in Alabama in the state that I didn't live in. And I was bombarded at the hospital by a whole lot of law enforcement. Um, a supposed sheriff deputy that we ended up finding out she wasn't a sheriff deputy. Um, she's associated with the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, which we are finding is huge when it comes to trafficking children. Um, and they came in, they claimed that I was somebody else out on bond for drug trafficking and child trafficking. And they pinned another name on me um, it was basically a mistaken identity thing, but turns out it wasn't really a mistake. It was all done on purpose. And um, they kidnapped him right off my chest out of the hospital at 33 hours old. And for the next, basically up until this point, I have been fighting for the truth to come out. Um, we went through several attacks over several years. We went to the FBI, the Department of Justice. Um, we went to every single government department we could possibly go to. We went to every single court hearing we could go to. Um, when they bombarded my hospital room to come take my child, they didn't come in with a warrant. They didn't come in with any paperwork at all. They gave me a ripped piece of notebook paper saying when to be at court two days later. and. We ended up going through the whole entire kangaroo court process where um, after four judges recused, the fifth judge said that the Constitution does not apply in his courtroom. And um, they ended up terminating our parental rights with absolutely no reason to do so without our knowledge because this went on for over a year. They terminated our rights a year later and we weren't even aware of it. We weren't even at the court hearing. We weren't notified. And we dealt with many death threats along the way. We ended up having to leave the state and um, try to seek help in Washington, D.C. 
So we went to Washington, D.C. for three months. We, we knocked on every single door of every single Congress person, and every single person said the same thing, that they do not have jurisdiction. So everywhere we go, uh, they, they turn their backs on us, and we, as parents, had no voice. They actually gagged us at the very first court hearing. Um, they put a gag order so we couldn't speak to anyone. And this is what they do to most parents that are fighting for their children when they've been falsely accused and have their children removed is a gag order goes out. And then that's why you don't hear about these situations. And the court hearings are not by jury usually, and they're behind closed doors, not open to the public and you have gag orders. So it's a way for them to silence the parents. So four years ago, when I had met Sylvia, I had already been fighting at that point for three years. And that's how she found me, like she said, because I had my story all over the internet, despite the gag order, because I realized early on that we were dealing with domestic terrorism, because this was a situation where my husband and I, we were not on drugs. They did drug tests at the hospital. We were not, everything came back negative for me and my child. I've never done a drug in my life. Um, we didn't have a criminal background. We had, there was no reason for them to come after us. And all it was, was them slapping on these names onto us that were two other individuals from another state for the purpose of stealing our child and putting him through the system. So when I met Sylvia, I showed her the documentation that I'm talking about now with the no warrant and everything. And the, initial paperwork that they put, I keep echoing, I don't know why. <laughs> um, the, the initial paperwork that was put into the court, I showed Sylvia and then like she said, that's why we became friends. And then for the last four years, we stayed in contact. And then about a year ago, we decided to start this um, nonprofit to not only be a voice for the children, but to be a voice for the parents as well, because Throughout all of that, I didn't have a voice. I had nobody to go to. When the government is actually attacking you, where do you go? There's, there's nowhere to go in the government. We went to every single government channel that we possibly could, including the military. We went everywhere with all of our evidence showing domestic terrorism against our family. And there was nobody. And so for the last seven years, I've just been trying to get people organized, trying to find all the parents. So many people have come out, adoptees that have been through the system that are verifying what they've been through. Um, foster children are coming out as soon as they age out, they're finding us and talking to us. Um, so this nonprofit was started on the basis of the children and the families not having any voice and no advocacy at all within the system. It's actually designed against families. So that is basically the long version made very short. So um, I know Goose, Goose wanted to had some questions. Uh, Sylvia and Dania, how you doing? Good. good. It's good to hear you, yes. I guess. <laughs> nice to hear you again. <laughs> uh, just, just for the audience to be aware, uh, situations like this, I guess Sylvia was telling me that it's not the first time this happened. Yes. Correct. Many other times it's been taking place in our country. Uh, yeah. 
So suddenly, I, I mean, a key point that when you went to Alabama uh, and you went to that hospital, they changed your name? Um, it's not that they changed my name. It's that they came into the hospital room and the initial person that came in, she claimed to be a sheriff deputy. And she said, we have your son in our custody. You have to hand him over because we have reason to believe you're not who you say you are. I had my passport there. I had my driver's license. I had any and all kinds of IDs with me. And I willfully showed her because I thought for sure, if this is happening to me right now, this is a mistake. I'm educated with a college degree in psychology. I've had jobs my whole life. I don't drink. I, I mean, I have wine, but I don't do drugs. I don't, I don't have a criminal background. I mean, none of it made any sense. So I thought for sure this is a mistake. And so I had no problem at that time just handing over my information thinking, you know, this is a mistake. This isn't me. Uh, I, You're trying to take my newborn son and none of it mattered. Um, my husband also had his IDs on him. That didn't matter. It was just an excuse because what happens is that there's loopholes in the system that they say that you they do need a warrant to come in and take your children at all if they can deem it uh an emergency to the child so as long as a police officer says it's an emergency then they have to go with the police officer saying it's an emergency and so they created an emergency aka we are two other people out on bond for child trafficking and once they realized, oh, hey, it's not you after background checks, fingerprints and everything else, then at that point, it's too late for us because they already have the child. The child has been inputted into the system and then it takes a year or so to get the child back if they ever give them back, which typically they don't. So, uh, so and you were resident of Georgia. Um, we had a help. Yes, basically. Yes, we were not residents of Alabama. We were we had been traveling and we were traveling through the state and we were on our way back to Georgia where my husband had a house in his name at that time. And we were trying to get it out of an estate because his grandfather had just passed away. And it was this big whole thing having to do with a trust. So we were on our way back there and we were literally bombarded at the hospital. And your ID were from Georgia or from another state? I believe, uh, I can't remember. It, it, it might have still been from New Hampshire at that point, but it was not from Alabama. Because I was, this, I'm a, if you are out of other state and you're racing of that state, it would be a stay against stay, and your state should be defending you in this case because it would go to federal court because it's, every jurisdiction would be like that. It wouldn't be no local, it would be federal. Correct. And so that's what I mean by we went through every single channel we could, every single court we could, and every single state that we could that we had any connection to. And the officials and the senators and all of the different um, politicians and government officials in every single state we went to for looking for help said that they don't have jurisdiction. So as soon as they take your child, they claim jurisdiction. But as soon as you're trying to receive help to get your child out of the system, suddenly nobody has jurisdiction.
So we, we went everywhere we could, every single state. So I'm from up north originally. Um, I, when, I, when we first started traveling, when I was pregnant, we had left from New Hampshire. That's where it started. And then we traveled a little bit. And then on our way back to Georgia, where my husband was from, he, um, he had his license in Georgia, I believe. I had my license in New Hampshire. And we went to both states. Both states refused to help, saying they had no jurisdiction, that it needed to be in the jurisdiction where he was kidnapped from, which is Alabama. And even Alabama said they couldn't help us. And I know from the first interview, uh, you said that you took drug tests and they make you go through different programs for you to, if I'm not mistaken, for you to try to get your kid. They were trying to make excuses and, and make you go through different stuff to, to say you would give up. Yeah. Yeah. So typically what happens with all of these cases and we're in contact with so many families that this is happening to, um, what happens is that they put, they give, they put you through a case plan and they make you sign a case plan. But as soon as you sign a case plan, you're basically signing off and consenting to the kidnapping and consenting to the fact that you were guilty of something. We never signed a case plan because it was kidnapping from day one. However, most parents sign this case plan. They put them through services. They have to do parenting classes, drug classes, this, that, and everything else, home studies. And they treat the biological parents as though they are foster parents, all while treating the foster parents like they're biological parents. They flipped it backwards. So they're actually going after the biological parents and trying and, and trying to force them into services to prove that they can be parents. So that's what they're doing to all of these families. And but they have a certain amount of time. So usually, depending on the state, it's about 12 to 15 months where they have a certain amount of time to finish the case plan. But but how Child Protective Services works is that they have all of their own individual organizations that they work with. So the parents typically aren't allowed to go outside of the places that CPS is pointing them to. And those places make it very hard, if not impossible, to finish the case plan. So when the 15 months is up, they immediately terminate the parental rights and then they receive the federal funding from Title IV-E Social Security funds. Because like I said, there's a time limit where the parents have a certain amount of time, but they make it very difficult to finish the case plan. And Sylvia is pretty good about talking about that part because she's witnessed it. Danielle is absolutely right. Hi, Danielle. My name's Amber May. I'm also a podcast host. I'm friends with Maverick and Goose, and I have interviewed a lot of families that have dealt with what you're dealing with. And I've actually written legislation here in Arizona. Um, hopefully, we can get it past this this legislative session. Um, fingers crossed. I also introduced a bill um, from Texas to combat the medical trafficking that's happening. So my two bills that I proposed to the legislature is that um, all of us in the United States, by right of the Constitution, get to have a trial by jury. But oftentimes, we are not afforded that right. Um, the, the court systems will not allow us to be tried by a jury. And we're forced to have an administrative court instead of a court of record. 
Mm-hmm. And so what my bill is going to do is just reinforce what the Constitution already gave us. And hopefully we can get it past the session, which means if your kid is going to be taken from your possession, that cannot just be in front of a, 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 a judge, a judge who is likely paid off. And like you said, um, Na- Senator Nancy Schaefer out of Georgia, she I think she was murdered over her investigation of Child Protective Services. Because what she was exposing is a child trafficking ring that everybody in the family court system gets a paycheck. And unless there's kids coming through the system, you're not getting a paycheck. So it's a self-fulfilling prophecy that all these people have to keep funneling kids into the system. And also, like you said, there is federal money tied to it. And like you said, there is a time. Uh, You have so many months or years, um, and it might vary between states, where if you do not get your kid back within that time, the state can sever your, your right and they can adopt out your child to another family and then they get paid for it through the social security system. So our social security system is helping um, with this kidnapping thing, with the child trafficking and um, government officials and social workers and, and et cetera, et cetera, attorneys, everyone involved with family court gets paid and the state gets paid. And, and and the thing is, like sometimes, sometimes I don't, I don't know if the foster families know what's going on or not, because they end up falling in love with the kid and they want to adopt the kid out, and then they make all this motion on Facebook and social media about how they really want to adopt these kids. So please pray that the court will let them adopt the children. Where I don't know that they're being told the truth. I think they're being lied to, saying that the kid is from an abusive home, but maybe it's not. So my second bill that I pass, I'm, I'm introducing this session, is um, that there has to be two medical opinions before a kid can be the rights for the parent to be severed through CPS. So how it is right now, just like what you described, it only takes one doctor. And then they can call CPS, and there's a lot of lies that happen around this. They can make up and fabricate like we saw with Russiagate, which there was a fake dossier that never really happened. And so in this, in this system, and I'm not saying everybody who's in CPS and every social worker and every judge and every attorney, I'm not saying that it's everybody, but there's enough of these people throughout the United States of America where this is happening. There's enough of these people in these groups, in these states that are allowing this to happen, and they will lie and get CPS involved, and then you're handcuffed. Actually, I interviewed a woman right now. Her kid is three years old. She's in California. CPS has been called on her. They are afraid of losing their rights. Right now they're on the border. Maybe they went to one trial. And as long as they follow the hospital protocol to a T, even though they are killing her kid, um, she went in for E. coli and they've already destroyed her, the kid's kidneys and she's three years old. She's had, the, the health has declined. They didn't even address the E. coli and she's been in the hospital, unable to get out for weeks. So I've been keeping an eye on that. I just did an interview with this family. Um, so my second one will be, if you get, if a doctor is going to call CPS on you, you have to second medical opinion. Um, and that what law passed in Texas and I brought that law over to Arizona. And so I'm happy to share you with you my bills and you can give it to your state lawmakers because if we can work together as states, then we can fight back the child trafficking that's happening across the country. It is not safe for us to take our kids to the hospital. Danielle, you're now in Florida, yeah? I'm now in Florida, yes. Yeah, you're right here in Sabrin, close to here. I think Florida just passed a few 
three or four uh, state law in, in, in regard to parental rights and all that stuff. And I spoke to my sister, which is work, she's a social worker in foster home. And I talk about your case and she say that, that a lot of those cases are going on throughout the state. And I Amber say that our people who have money and have the money to pay the judges to do all the nasty stuff. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Amber, thank you so much for sharing all of that. That's really what Sylvia and I are looking to do is make changes to policies, rules, laws, everything. So we really appreciate that and would love to connect with you more. Um, because you're absolutely right. It's all about money. And as far as the hospital goes, they have CPS already sitting inside of hospitals waiting to take children. 100%. Um, yeah. And if it's a so, child's hospital, I guarantee you CPS has an office inside that hospital. Guaranteed. Yep. Yeah. And in the case of my situation, he was perfectly healthy. Um, they did a drug test without my knowledge. Everything came back negative. They actually vaccinated him without my knowledge after I said no, and I didn't consent to it. That was after they took him, they vaccinated him. Um, so they have CPS in that hospital. It's considered a baby safe hospital. It was regional medical center in Anniston, Alabama. And um, they treated us like absolute criminals. They had police guarding the door after they took him. They put a bolo out, so be on the lookout. So people thought we were criminals. Um, a doctor put in the medical records that we were potentially in a drug cartel so they actually just made us look like we were the worst people ever and the foster parents did believe every single word that cps said so when you said that you know you don't know if the foster parents are even aware of what's going on most of them are not most of them are lied to and then believe the parents that they're dealing with are the worst people in the world when usually we are, we end up being the most educated because we're being so severely attacked that we have no choice but to figure out what's going on. And then when we try to reach out to these foster parents to tell them they think we're crazy. On my website, I have a whole resource page dedicated to child trafficking. And it's on the theambermayshow.com, and then you hit the resource tab, and I have articles and evidence and all kinds of stuff posted. So if people want to verify what you're saying is true, they can go on. Hey, Philip, be quiet. Be quiet. Theambermayshow.com. Hit the resource tab, and there is so much documentation to back up the claims that Danielle is making right now. Amber, one people are doing in uh, capital. Uh in washington about this do you know any bill anything not on the federal level um i'm trying we have to get this passed through the state level this is how if we can work together if i can pass danielle my my pieces of legislation the one i did and then the one i took from texas and then they can send it to their state rep i assume you are familiar with a or you have a relationship with one of your state legislators do you danielle um, not really at this point. No, every single person that I ever tried to reach out to completely shunned me and ran away from me. I mean, I have spoken to hundreds of government officials and not yep. one of them will help me. I will tell you what you're saying is true too, because I will connect you to this family. Um, her husband's an air force vet. Her name is Terry. They've been on my show. They've been on Stu Peters. 
all five or six of their children were taken and they reached out to a whole bunch of elected officials and nobody helped them. They yeah. discovered the child trafficking ring that happened. I can connect you with them. I can also connect you with a lady named um, Lorena Troy. She had the similar thing happen out of Texas and she wrote a book about it. And so these people have some resources, but if you have a, a state legislator, you can start befriending out in your state then I can, we can start working with them to pass some good legislation. So actually, Terry and Mark are good friends of mine. They, they oh, okay, actually, great. Yeah, they actually found me seven years ago when this whole thing happened. Because like I said, I was extremely vocal. I had thousands of people watching my story. I didn't care at all about the gag order. But I was banned. I was shadow banned. I had debt threats coming at me. It got mm -hmm. crazy. So, um, and that's how Sylvia found me too, was mm -hmm. online, but I became friends with Terry and Mark and I think Sylvia knows Lorena. Yes. I don't. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. And Amber, okay. thank you, know you so Lorena? much. Yes. I, um, thank you so much for all the hard work that you've done. I would really like to connect with you because this is such a big problem because not only that but for the children that are in care like that like we need to talk about that too because i did work in the group homes and i can tell you that they are not safe i can tell you what goes on in those group homes and they are ran by gangsters they are not safe for children um and we really need to make uh, make it safe for in the group homes for the children right now uh, and not only that but we need to find these children where is danielle's child like we, we have no idea where she is, where he is. Um, mm -hmm. He was adopted out and it is. Um, so I don't know if you guys have any questions about how the system, you know, like being on the inside yeah. is. Yes. Why don't but, you share the inside track with us? That would be important. And Danielle, have you thought about hiring a, a PI to see if they can locate your child? So here's what happens. So when, when you're attacked like I have been, we lost everything. We spent $150,000 on 15 different attorneys, which all of them ended up looking past the root fraud, and we had to fire every single one of them. Um, so we were on our own. We literally became homeless because we were fighting so hard for our son. So we lost cars. We lost a house. We lost all of our money. We had nothing to live off of. Um, everybody turned their backs on us thinking that we were the problem when we weren't. So what the system does is it makes parents look absolutely insane and then makes them look like they're not capable of taking care of themselves because then the next thing that happens is they go after you for child support after kidnapping your child. And then if you can't pay or you don't pay because you're not going to pay terrorists that are kidnapping your child, they suspend your license and then it's hard to drive and it's hard to get work and it's hard to do this and that. So it's, it's a never ending battle. So to answer your question, I haven't had two cents to even come together to do anything outside of just exposing. I'm so. sorry. So you have, and you know um, what, unfortunately, what you're saying is common. As you know, Terry and Mark went through the same thing, went homeless over it. And they're even doxing his retirement money from the Air mm -hmm. Force to pay child support on kids he doesn't have. Oh, and Lorena and her husband yeah. lost their homes, too. And he lost his, um, he had a top security clearance job. And he they lost his job, just like what you're saying, because of the accusation that was false. And it angers me to no end. And that's why I'm trying to 
work on getting it passed. The only problem is my state legislator is Republican, and we have a lady who's occupying the governor's seat who's a Democrat who wants nothing more to veto every single thing that comes to her desk, and she's very proud of it. So really, I need everyone well, who's listening on this broadcast to pray about these mm-hmm. bills going through because honestly, at this point, it's going to be a work of God to get it through and get um. And I'm also going to add to like Amber's thinking. My name is Eric, by the way, and people are familiar with me here on this pod being at this podcast and others, um, you know, and, you know, and I think Amber's making some great points that when, when it comes to not only praying, but when you contact your state legislatures, I think the number one rule is you need to be polite with them and not be combative and threatening and, 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 and express your grief grievances in, in that manner. And, um, and I think another great question, I'm sure Amber would agree, and I'm sure you, Danielle, and Sylvia would agree, like, where are the national news organizations like 60 Minutes and Dateline NBC? You know, do do they not care? Are, are they too, like, frightened and scared to death to report this? Like, where, where are the local TV investigative units out of Atlanta and Birmingham and Phoenix and, and other TV markets across the country? Whatever happened to doing you know, substantive investigative journalism where you have journalists who risk their lives and their reputations to do what what is right and not what is politically correct. I think that these are questions that need to be addressed. I would love to get in touch with one. We have Uh tried to get a journalist and they say that they will and then they don't. Um, I am also the advocate for Megan Walsh, the daughter of John Walsh. And I have tried to get, we have tried to get any news station uh, we cannot get anyone to respond to us. Um, they won't even, uh, and then, and then a lot of it, when I first came out and started calling, uh, journalists, they were told that they did not report on CPS. I had another one tell me that they were not allowed to report on CPS because every time that they did CPS came after the station, um, there was sounds like a child protective that. services is quick to sue in, in an effort to silence their most harshest critics is, is, is that is what it sounds like to me yes it, it is and but the, here's the thing is that the people don't understand how the foster system works and amber and, and eric y'all can tell me if you know this but the the way the foster system uh, is set up is people are afraid of it because they don't understand it Basically, it is yeah. nonprofits that are that is running our system. It is not a government agency. If you look at Florida, Florida is privatized. Private. Completely. It is private. That's right. That's correct. It is completely privatized, mm-hmm. meaning that there is no government agency after the initial investigation. So the initial investigation is the only portion that has the uh, government involved. Once they do the investigation, they turn it over to a nonprofit. If you have been following Megan Walsh, her case is handled by CC Kids. If you look at CC Kids, CC Kids is an adoption agency. It is not in their over case planning. Why would you put an adoption agency over case planning? They would not have any reason to reunite because for one, they're going to get an adoption incentive. And in the state of Florida, it's $12,000 per child. Not only that, but if you go to ccKids.org or .net, ccKids.net, because they keep it all confused, you can Mm -hmm. look and they have foster homes. They have group homes. They have group homes that was actually done by John and Revae Walsh. 
And they are literally holding kids in the office for weeks. We have recordings of workers telling us that there are kids sleeping in the office and uh, they don't have any place for them to go. And they literally take them to the group home and let them wash out, uh, wash off and brush their teeth. That happens and then when here too, but exactly it, what you're saying. There's not that home. many foster parents they're not in the state right of Florida. because you know what's happening because they're overcrowding the system with That's kids right they're right. overcrowding the system with kids if they would stop taking kids from parents like danielle like terry like all of these other parents there would be enough room they have to stop taking kids but the way that the contract is set up it says that in order for them to to receive the funding from the previous year, they have to bring in the same amount of kids. So if they had a hundred kids last year, they have to bring in a hundred plus kids this year in order to receive the funding. They set the funding up so that you have to traffic the kids. And this is what I saw in the system. So as a caseworker, the way that it's handled is that they only give you a narrative. You don't really meet the biological family. So that right there sets it up where the caseworker is not really sure what's going on. They just basically read the chart. That's true. Uh, and that's what they go by. Sylvia, you, you're right, because many times, because uh, I talk to my sister a lot, and, and a lot of times she has to take the kids with her because they don't have no foster home. They don't have no where to put them. Yeah. And, uh, and and they don't have no qualified people too. Remember, uh, a lot of these people that are forced at home, they do it for the money. They don't most of them don't do it for the love of the kids. Exactly. And, and you know how I, much the foster parents are making. And this is the uh, you should ask your sister. And I would love to still talk to your sister um, because I know she has a good heart. Because you have a good heart. Um, thank you but she but she probably is questioning this herself she is probably questioning all of this herself because i was she I was used like, to what work is going on in the migrant camp she was one of the in charge of the migrant camp because she spoke the language mm -hmm. and she she left that job she had to move to another location because she was almost crying every other day because the abuses and everything that was taking place in that migrant camp because it yeah. was difficult and a lot of abuses took place sex abuses all kind of other stuff uh oh, yeah. human trafficking and other stuff that's where was, i realized yep that's where i realized that the u.s had a sex trafficking problem was working in the group homes because all the kids that were coming in were sex trafficked or sets abu sexually abused and i and have news articles to back up what you're saying sylvia on my website everything you just thank said, you I have articles oh i'm so it. glad you've done all this work uh -huh. um, and um so i would love to i would love to connect with you but but basically when you are a caseworker, when a child comes into care you have to fill out a waiver to get the funding so the waiver is based on the child's behavior so this is where the 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 rate goes up so if you just have a right a child that that is compliant that is doesn't you know follows the rules doesn't have any issues doesn't have any a diagnosis anything like that that's called your base child in Georgia it was 135 when I le left the system it was 135 per day 135 dollars per day per child that was base then if you then if they are runner say they like say they run away 
um, say they're, they, they cut, you know, they have behaviors, they're defiant, that's going to go up. You're going to get like that. That's called an MWO. So that's your, uh, basically they need more care. So you're going to get like 200 uh, per day per child. And then if, if they have been sex trafficked, you get more. If they have been in mental diagnosis, any uh, medical diagnosis, you're going to get more money. And then the way that the, the placement agencies do it is they give, say they're getting 200 per day per child. They'll negotiate with the foster parent saying it's $65 per day. That's what it was when I left. But a lot of those parents know how the system works and they're like, no, I'm not taking that child unless you give me $100 per day. So you're literally negotiating with these parents to take these children. And it's not for the love, it's for the money. So they're negotiating and you're just saying, hey, I need a, I need a place for this child to stay for the night. So then they're switching homes daily, right? So it's not stable. It's not a stable environment at all. Serbia. What do you think about all those migrant kids that came to the border that now we are missing 85,000 of them? Well, I think that has to that has to do with how they set it up. They were putting them yes. with sponsors. They were putting them with sponsors that were not even vetted and that were gangsters, right? They were in. That's correct. All of these. And that's why I'm saying we have to start looking at our group homes because when I started uh, getting calls, I, I received a call from South Carolina. It's a group home called um, Emergency um, Emergency Placement uh, Emergency Chance Chance. I'd have to look up. It's in South Carolina, but I started researching this, and it's ran by gangsters. These people are the owners are actually on Facebook, and if you know anything about gangs, it's the Bloods, it's the Crips. And they do have gang signs uh, they're holding up on their Facebook. These are legit gangsters, okay? And then what they're doing, these they're trafficking the kids through the group homes. <clears throat> but these are nonprofits. These are, uh, that's what I'm saying. We have to get a hold of what is going on with our children because the children are not safe. And the other thing is, are the runaways runaways happen every single day as a as a worker i was told that if i did not uh, if i physically stopped a child from leaving i would be arrested so a staff as a staff member as a caseworker, you cannot stop that child you literally have to let them go and then you call the local police you don't call 911 so there's no 911 report there's no missing report. There's no Amber alert. There's no search party. It, it like it is free for all for the traffickers. Literally, sounds like a mafia of sorts. The group home. Right. Yep. And I also wanted to add in real quick because Goose, you just brought this up about the border children. We are absolutely not insensitive to that at all. All children are obviously important. But what's happening with that is that there's a loophole in the government by design. The, the government is actually trafficking the children on purpose and they're diverting everybody's attention to the border 
so that they're looking away from the fact that there's far more children in America from American homes going missing every single year. So they're claiming that there's 85,000 children missing from the border, which is awful. And everybody's focused on that as they should be. But th the fact of the matter is that it's already been proven that 2,300 children are going missing from American families every single day. That's 95 children per hour every single day, American children. That's 839,500 missing children every year. And it's an FBI statistic that 88% of the sex trafficking is coming from foster care. So, so the fact that that is happening, but everybody's attention is being drawn to the 85,000 missing children is a problem in itself. And both of them should be combined and both, we should be looking at all sides because it's the government that's doing it and they're doing it by federal funding. So in, in the case of the, um, the border with HHS, they have a program, the unaccompanied minor children program, and they're being funded by what's called ORR, whereas CPS is being funded by Title IV-E. So it's two different titles to the funding, but it's coming from the same place. So they're funding trafficking at the border and they're funding trafficking in foster care, but nobody's looking at foster care and the parents are being silent. So nobody's hearing us scream for help because they're trying to shut us up so that nobody hears us the same way we, we don't even know where these parents are for the border children. Danielle, also too, I've read a few articles that are talking about organ donors. They're using them as the organ donors. Yeah, a lot yeah. of these kids. Yeah. And that's very sad. It, it's very sad and sick that these people are this evil. Um, and I, I really do think that if the American people knew what was happening in the foster system, they would be, they would be livid because I had no idea, you know, I was, I was a travel agent and I started mentoring for, um, it was a, a youth at Elts Aidmore and I just, and a job opened up and I, I went in thinking like, you know, it was a stable environment, you know, I, I was clueless, but that's where I I found out that that's where the Crips, the Bloods, the the kids they they have to claim um, to be a part of a gang for protection, um, and then the kids are trafficked through them because another way that they traffic them is by the kids. So they literally have kids that have pimps that end up in the group home. This happened actually while I worked there. We had this one girl; she had a pimp. And she was from, they found her in New Jersey, but she was in Georgia. They brought her back to the group home. Well, she had caught a charge while she was on the streets, but the pimp had gotten her to, addicted to heroin. So she was always wanting to go back to this pimp because she was addicted, right? So she gets arrested. Well, um, CPS does not bail out juveniles. So if they get arrested... Um, they have to sit there, but a pimp will go bail them out. So immediately she got arrested, got put in ju a juvie. The pimp shows up within 30 minutes of her being there and she's back out on the streets. So then she shows up. So she's gone on the streets again for a few months, comes back again. 
and she got really close to one of the other girls and i was telling the other girl don't you know i don't trust her she's gonna go straight to her pimp well she got this girl to run away with her and that's exactly what she did was she took this girl to the pimp and that pimp uh raped her and she uh the girl escaped and came back but this happens over and over so just the same way there was another girl they recruit the girls to run away with them and then they turn them over to their pimps and they're lucky if they get away from them you're right you're absolutely right a lot of times they get recruited by a boyfriend quote unquote boyfriend or a friend but what i learned um i just did a show with a friend of mine who after watching sound of freedom he decided to get a group together to learn more about how to combat child trafficking and so he contacted an organization that had a lot of expertise in the matter and they had a, a victim who was a victim for 30 years in the united states besides the foster program trafficking kids and not all trafficking means sex trafficking but anytime you're going to exchange money for children it's trafficking so sometimes the kids in the foster system are not sexually trafficked at all but there is money being exchanged for taking children so it's called trafficking and then that can lead to sex trafficking but oftentimes in america when you're going to be uh trafficked sex trafficked um, a lot of times it's a family member or a close friend and the victim will go every night they'll sleep in their own bed every night or in the morning at some point when they're done working they'll come home and they get so trained that this is all they end up knowing that this is safe that this is familiar to them that they keep going back to their victim or the people victimizing them just because it's what they know even though they hate it it's what they know it's what they feel I, I don't want to use the word comfort, but this is what this woman was telling my friend who put this organization. She spent 30 years doing it and her dad trafficked her 30 years. And when she finally got to get away, it, it, it was such a, it, it put so much trauma on her body. So she. Hey, I don't know what happened. Uh, we got disconnected here. Um, hmm. Eric, can you hear me? Eric, can, can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? I can hear you. Um, I don't we know. must have got attacked by the devil, huh? Yeah, we got shut down there. Let me see if I can get them back here real quick. Uh, hang on. Apologize to people here. I don't know what. We must have uh, must be over the target. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, let me uh, see if I can get a hold of them real quick here. Uh, um, we certainly do apologize for that, ladies and gentlemen. Amazing. Well, I, I guess in case anybody's just joining us, um, you know, we have special guests Sylvia and Danielle telling a very you know, compelling and very gripping story about medical kidnapping and trafficking. Uh, Mark, welcome to the show, brother. We just got knocked off. Well, hopefully Goose is on his way back, but we got Mark and Bravo here and um, working on getting Amber back in here and a few other friends. 
Uh, yeah, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, I, I, I just got booted off of, of YouTube. Thanks. And Rock, Rocky Raccoon. Yep. Welcome. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to link. Uh, hang on. Yeah. Just bear with me, people yeah. here. I'm trying to uh, get them back the link, link for the show. There's Sylvia now. I see her. Oh, she's back in? Okay. Uh, well, and um, and I'm sure you know Bravo will come up with a good end of show prayer tonight. Welcome back, Goose. Uh, let's see here. Mary, they don't like our show, bro. I uh, know that pisses me off. Uh, <laughs> we piss some people off, bro. <laughs> Sylvia, if you want to. Good. Uh, click the call-in button there that I just sent you a link there. That'll put you back in the show. Um, and Danielle, I guess we have to get her back somehow. Uh, let's see. Did I send her a link? Yeah, that pisses me off. <laughs> I knew that was going to happen. Well, I didn't. I thought we were going good, and I didn't think it was going to happen. But uh, I guess we're touching on too many. Uh... Holy shit, man! I just found some hot news after this. I let you know. <laughs> I got a brand new mind. What I just found out. Uh, let's see. All right. Uh, okay. Thank you. Welcome everybody back. Uh, we got interrupted. Because we're doing our job. Shut down. Uh, I'm not sure what happened, but uh, we're going to kind of get everything back up. Oh, Sylvia's back. Sylvia! Yeah, we were on everything else, and I got shut down on everything here. And we spent two days with Sylvia down there. It was that a good was time. Good time. Yeah. Uh, Daniel's back. I'm back. What happened? <laughs> I apologize. I don't know. <laughs> because we're telling the truth. So <laughs> people don't like that, Daniel. We're doing our job. <laughs> yes, you are. Uh, we, uh, you we know get... you're doing a great job when you get kicked off. Yes. Well, it um, might happen. Yeah, and I will take a moment to mention this, Danielle and Sylvia. You know, and I said this in the chat before the first show got cut off abruptly that independent podcasts like this, the Soccer 2 Alpha podcast with Maverick Goose and Bravo, and then other independent podcasts like Amber May and John DeVito and the James from the Slightly Serious Show, which I'm proud to be a part of, the Old Man's Podcast Show and a few others, is the podcasts, you know, that are doing, you know, substantive, you know, investigative journalism that legacy media, you know, seems to be afraid to touch or doesn't care to touch. Yep. Uh, okay. I think we're... I think we're back up and running. Yeah, 
Eric, actually, I went to um, Fox News in Alabama and I met with an investigative journalist there for a while. And I um, told the, him the Fox that, Six sedation in um, Birmingham? I believe so. It, it, it's an investigative journalist. His name was Al Whitaker. But um, I met with mm, him. I've not heard of that name. He went over everything and he, he said he apologizes, but his editor came to him and said he had to shut it down because it would put too much fear into the American people. That, that, that just sounds like absolutely preposterous, you know, you know, because like, you know, or like our corporate sponsors telling them what stories they can and cannot touch or is it their is it their ownership? Because in the case of like WBRC Fox 6 in Birmingham, their parent company is Great Television and the parent company of WIAT CBS 42 is Next Star Media Group. The owner of ABC 3340 there is Sinclair Broadcast Group and the owner of WVTM Channel 13 is Hearst Television. Yeah. That happened everywhere, Eric. Hey, Danielle, uh, I think I'm gonna get you in touch with- uh, Sylvia, let me- uh, report it. Uh, Invite her on the panel. So yeah, honest. she can't. She's okay, not there able I to speak, am. she said. Okay. There you are. All right, she's back. <laughs> Welcome back, Chris. Oh, Sylvia. Hey. Sylvia, you don't, you don't mind if I get you in touch with a reporter from Houston? Please get us in touch with any reporter. Yeah. We will talk <laughs> to will anybody. That. I'm serious. Oh. Like, we have i had i just started calling just random journalists just saying hey you got to look at the foster system and they're terrified well i didn't know why they were terrified and still until i started like researching the foster system and it's so confusing and when they say that they're being sued i'm like who are you being sued by because these are nonprofits. are the nonprofits coming after you is the government coming after you? Who is coming after you? You know, it, it makes no sense. Yeah, I even had um, an attorney when, when I was when I was going through my stuff, I had an attorney tell me he couldn't take the case because the powers to be told him to back down. That's crazy. I mean, I, I still I'm still amazed by this story, even after the first time I heard it with you guys. When we were in Miami, I just, uh, it just amazes me that these kind of things go on in this country. Yes, Mary. It's amazing. Uh, I never talked to you about Mary, but uh, in, here next to us, I mean, 20 miles from us, in that migrant camp where they have like six or 800 people there, families and everything, stuff like that's going on there every day. Yep. Every day. I wanted to mention real quick too because Chris is in the chat. His name's Chris. He's another parent that's fighting for his five-year-old daughter right now in foster care. Yes. Um, I was. I saw that on. Uh, you, I saw the post Danielle put on Twitter. And I was going to ask you what is that Title Four E that you were talking about? Yep, Title Four E. Sylvia, you're you're better at speaking about that. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, so Title Four E funding, and here I'm putting it in because this is how it's it's written. So when you do research, uh, so this is where the funds are coming from, uh, and and it has to be a placement agency or a nonprofit that receives this. So this is how they're running it. So the way the contract is set, the government can't receive this funding. So that's why Florida is completely privatized. 
because only those agencies can receive this funding. This comes from the Social Security. So we're basically funding child trafficking. But when you do your research, Title IV-E funding, that's how you write it out. And we can post some stuff on here. Um, if you want me to post, I can post some articles right here, actually, for you. Yeah, yeah you can post a link in the... Yeah, we, we, are, we found many, many crises. Again, I do apologize for all you who are just coming back in. Uh, we were booted out uh, for whatever reason. Uh, unfortunately, they don't even give us a reason when they do it. Uh, but we're back again. Uh, uh, we're back with Sylvia and Danielle. Uh, uh, yeah. So, I mean, good. Here's the Um Does anyone have questions about the foster system? <laughs> no, it, it's crazy what's going on. It is crazy. And like you say, in Florida, I know it's privatized. It's been privatized for many years. Many mm -hmm. years. I'm talking about more that I know more than 15 years. And hey, many of the companies there no, don't operate the same way. So what is Chris's story that you were talking about? Um, uh, okay. So, oh, yeah. So Go ahead, Daniel. You want to? Okay. <laughs> Whoever. So, we can both talk about it. Um, so Chris is actually in the chat right now, but he is from, uh, he lives in New Hampshire. It's Massachusetts that actually kidnapped his daughter. He didn't even meet his daughter until she was already kidnapped and placed in foster care because his, the, the mother of his daughter actually kept him away from her for the first month of her life. So she was kidnapped at 40 days old and she was involved, the mother was involved in a domestic abuse um, situation where CPS got involved, took the child away from the mother and Chris went to CPS and said, hey guys, I'm the father. Um, and, and by law, they have to, they have to, they have to go through every route to make sure the child is placed with family. But like we said, they don't because they want the, the Title IV E funding to go to them or to go to the state. So they make sure that the children don't go to family. So for the last five years, he's been fighting for her. Um, and while fighting for her, they've been attacking him. They've arrested him several times. He's had jury trials more than once. Every single time he's won. Um, but they won't give him his daughter. They won't let him see his daughter. And he has actually had an ankle bracelet on for the last 18 months without being convicted of anything, just because they want to keep him out of the whole state of Massachusetts because he's been exposing them. Chris, <laughs> uh, you want to come on, uh, you're more than welcome. I'll say you yes, yes, tell him to come in. Yeah, that'd, that'd be nice. You want to get on and uh, share your story. We need, we need, uh, like Sylvia. You can bring, we can make another show. The complete two hours. You can bring more people. We need to yeah. make people aware of what's going on. Absolutely. A series of shows would be great. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We have a lot of parents that we're in, in contact with that are going through similar. Yeah, because I mean, before I met you guys, I, I you know, I. I don't know if I'm just oblivious to that or what, but I mean, 
it's not like you hear i mean you hear things but you you don't really hear these kind of stories and and the things that are going on uh and you know until i met you guys i i, I wasn't aware of these things really that were going on uh, i mean the system high a lot of stuff Mary. Yeah. a lot of stuff yeah. you won't know unless you know somebody that work in the system Right, right. You would be, but also, like I said, they they usually will put a gag order on most parents, so the, the parents are too afraid to speak out. I didn't care because I knew if this could happen to me, this could happen to anyone because I was so clean of a person at that point in my life. Like I, I'm like, if this can happen to me, it can happen to anybody. So, truth, Daniela, you gotta I, be, you gotta. You gotta be a beast. You you gotta do it because you can't stay quiet. You stay quiet, they're gonna really they don't gonna do nothing. And um and I will say this, Danielle, that you coming on this um podcast, you and Sylvia coming on to talk to us, and Chris also coming on to talk to us. Um, you three are very brave people, and bravery I know require and courage requires a lot of strength and 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 you're here to basically, you know, tell your all story and basically you know, help other people who've gone through other similar situations and and to re for them to rest assured that they're not alone and you you guys are not alone. Yes, thank you. Let me, sure. I mean, uh, I think Chris is here. Okay. Hey, I got, I got on. There you go, buddy. What's up? What are you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing. Yeah. Just, yeah. just fight, fighting the good fight. Well, yeah, it sounds like it. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, if uh, if 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 you see, if you see my Twitter, uh, I have uh, spoken up quite loudly lately, and uh, it, it's all thanks to these two um, and and Gino. I mean, the, these guys just sparked a fire under my ass, and you know they 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 let me know that I'm not alone, and you know that that there's love out there, and that 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 there's other people going through this, and that it's time to fight. The, the time is now, right, Danielle? Well, it sounds like you 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 hooked up with the right people. Yep. The time yes. Is now. <laughs> time is now. And, uh, yeah, I was actually uh, I was actually in court um a week and a half ago. Um, I was uh appealing uh because they terminated my parental rights. Um, so when I went in there, um, I I actually wrote up a whole summarized um. Uh, 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 filing of all my evidence against them. Um, I used the constitution. I blasted the judge right to his face, called him a child trafficking piece of blank and every other expletive yeah. that I could figure out to tell him. And uh, they couldn't do a thing about it um, because it's a fake court. It's, it's not a court of law. Like if it was we a real court, they would have arrested me. Oh, and I let them know. I, I didn't care about their kangaroo court. I didn't care about what they say because I'm coming for them. I told them I got you on so many charges. And when I finally get this somewhere, so you're going to do life. Or really what these child traffickers yeah. need is the death penalty because there are a lot of people who will, who will say that child trafficking in their books is an unpardonable sin. Well, well, I was gonna say the death penalty, without, but I was trying to keep it light. But um, yes, the 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 actual tr the actual charges um in the U.S. statutes it says ten years to life. I mean, ten years to the death penalty for what they have done to me. Hmm. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it, it, they deserve it. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's no doubt about that. 
How many charges have they tried to go against you, but you keep winning? Um, well, I, I think that they sent, um, they sent an officer to my house one night and they tried to get me with assaulting a police officer and I beat that in court. Um, the, the, the first, the first charge was, um, the, the mother of the child, um, when she was still pregnant, she, she pressed false charges against me. Um, so I don't think they had anything to do with that one. Um, but right now I'm facing, um, I'm facing, uh, criminal harassment. I'm facing stalking two counts of, uh, intimidation of a government worker. And, uh, uh, what's the other one? Um, illegal wiretapping. Cause I caught them all on video trying to set me up. And, I mean, it's just and this is all because he's all, he's trying to go through the legal route correctly with the law. Yep. Yep. I've uh, I've been a good boy the whole time. I've uh, I I I haven't taken any of the toys, Adam, because uh, there is many toys in the arsenal. But uh, no, I, I I like to do things the hard way. That would be easy, you know. You know, you, using using force is easy. Uh, going at them the right way—that's the hard way. That's the way I want to. That's the way I want to win. Yeah. Yeah. This is. Uh, I don't know. What do you think, Goose? Still there, buddy? Yeah, here, 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 man. No, it it it, it is crazy, and I knew it was crazy. That's why when I saw Sylvia in. in uh, and mommy immediately called my sister and my sister said, yeah, talk to them. And, and you see, you're going to find out a lot of stuff. And uh, because it, it's unknown unless you really find people like Sylvia and Danielle, or you have a family member that does that every day because it's crazy. They are under a lot of stress and they see a lot of unfair stuff that sometimes they can't really talk. I mean, they talk, they get fired too. Oh yeah, you know it's 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 unbelievable. Or they switch you to do another uh, another type of job, and they might not send you with the judge anymore. That's what happened with my sister. She she used to go to the judge, and I guess she got in trouble because she didn't agree with something, and they want her to lie, and she didn't lie, so they removed her out of court. She couldn't go to court anymore, so she got uh, now different cases. You need yeah, to bring her on the show. I would uh, talk to her. Yeah, or yes. even reach out to me because what was happening to me is that I was they would write me up. Um, when I was working in the group home, I actually had a detective brought in because there was a gang initiation where they almost killed a child. And there was a lot that happened that night, but it was a gang initiation where they tried to suffocate a child in her sleep. But then there's they also destroyed property. They stole a vehicle, so they had me take the girls to the detective. But they had only put in the report about the 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 stolen car and the property destruction. They didn't put anything about the the child that was almost killed. So when we're in there, I'm like, wait, why aren't we talking about the child that was suffocated? Why aren't we talking about that? And the detective goes, wait, that's not in my report. And so he comes out. And so I get, um, 
a call from the director and she's like, what is your intentions? And I, I'm literally like, okay, I have no intentions if you reported it. And you told me you reported it and it's not in his report. So the next day they bring me into the office and they write me up and they, they put me on, uh, they tell, they say that I, it's a medical error. Um, it was a medical. So basically I had like three or four write-ups. So every time I would report something, they'd write me up and it was medical error, medical error, medical, medical error. Well, I had no idea. They make you, they gaslight you so much that you actually think that you're doing a bad job. Yes. So that's what I was thinking <laughs> that I was doing a yes. bad job. So I was like, all right, I need to work harder. I need to work better. I need to do more. So I was reporting more and I, here I am. I'm proud of myself, right? I got a detective in, I was advocating for children. I was, and here they are, they're fighting me and I don't understand it. So I was put on leave twice. One time I was put on leave for, for refusing to falsify documents. And that was an incident report. Cause when an incident report happens, you have to make a report and it has to go in. I refused to falsify it. Then I told them I wanted to be taken off of the case completely. And I refused to work for the supervisor. So they put me on leave for three days. Yes. They said that I was burnt out, that I was hallucinating, uh, that what I said happened did not happen. Um, and they put me on leave for three days with pay. The second, the second time... time they put me on leave for 30 days. So like they retaliate against the workers that are doing their job. If you don't know, yeah, they don't want it to come out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they, don't, they don't want the truth to come out. No, that, that's true. They, they bombard you with a lot of reporting, Mary, a lot. You had to write like freaking so many pages and they give you like, let's say 20 cases and then they're trying to find a way to kick you out that's yeah. that's that's the way they are yeah yeah and then likewise um being on the um inside as a parent like the inside of the courtroom what they do there is they use the whole delusional hallucinating thing against parents too so if parents start realizing they're being abused and their constitutional rights aren't being upheld and they start um claiming that their you know their their rights are being destroyed by these people like we did they started um bringing in false expert witnesses that we had never even met onto the stand to try to paint the picture that we're delusional or might we may have schizophrenia or something like that so they go after the parents using the psychiatric field so the psychiatric field actually becomes a weapon against parents and the social workers that are doing the right thing so the social workers are too afraid to do the right thing. So the, it becomes a gang mentality where they want to go against the parents because if they don't go against the parents, then they're treated like Sylvia was treated. And then in our situation as the parents, we're basically trained to not trust any of the social workers. So it's all about divide and conquer. They don't want everybody coming together like Sylvia and I did four years ago to figure out what's actually going on. Yeah. Crazy. They, call, they called me a white supremacist, right-wing terrorist. <laughs> yeah, that's their game. Yeah.
That's how they play. Yeah. And, and my crazy. best friend was in the courtroom sitting right next to my mom. He's black. <laughs> he's like, he's like, uh, are you guys talking about Chris? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, you guys just got to keep keep fighting. I mean, you know, you can't give up and you got to keep pushing. I mean, eventually, eventually we got to win. I mean, you know. Uh, oh, we got fireworks in the works. Yeah, you know. Uh, we, 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 we have to. We don't have all the choice. And we got to pray for these kids. We have to. And the mothers and the fathers are going through this really hard time. And don't stay quiet. Don't you stay quiet. You got to continue. That's right. And we're going to help you out all the time. We, we got to interview you 40 times. We will do so. Amen. I just send you information to a uh, uh, Latin reporter. Uh, she said, she's a girl, and uh, I'm waiting for her answer. And I uh, asked her if she do any uh, baby traffic and stuff like that reporting. She said, I will call you back. So she's going to call me. In the next few minutes, maybe a few hours, but she's a good reporter too. So, oh yay! Because yay. we gotta hit the Latin community too, because this is happening a lot to the Latin community. Sometimes they don't mm -hmm. have they don't have a voice. Yeah, and right. and a lot a lot of people just don't know that it's not right. Like they think that the government can do whatever that they want, you know, and that's why a lot of people stay. Silent. Chris, you're correct. A lot of people. They, yeah, you're right, Chris. Yeah, no, they, they, they force you into a box by yourself and get you feeling alone. And then they make you feel bad about it. Cause like with me, I, 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 I felt, I, I am like, I can't even get the word of it. It was like, I I'm embarrassed about it, you know? And, and I was thought I was thinking I was going to win the whole time. So I kept like, none of my friends, none of people that I grow up with not know about this stuff. Nobody like Danielle and Sylvia got me to break out of my shell and actually start fighting. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, you guys are awesome. Yeah, you certainly, like I said, you certainly hooked up with the right people. 100%. Uh, but, uh, and we'll keep, you know, I mean, that's why we, we wanted to bring them on because we were so, you know, I mean, I was so just blown away by the stories that they were telling. And, uh, you know, like I said, I mean, for me, you know, you like, like Goose said, you don't hear about it unless you, you either know somebody that's going through it or, uh, you have somebody that works in the system that knows the things that are going on. Uh, I mean, these things gotta be brought to light. I mean, you know, uh, and of course the more it's brought to light, the more, the more pushback you're going to get, you know, I mean, look tonight. I mean, we brought this show on and it always seems to happen when we, we, we have things that, um, you know, they, that they don't want you to get out. I mean, when do we do a show? Me? Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, it's not the first time our show has been shut down for certain topics, but you know, we expect it and we just, we know we keep going, you know, and you got to, I mean, you either, if you let them win, if you quit and say, ah, oh, forget it, you know, it's too hard. No, I'm not going to do it. You know, originally I did. When they first shut us down years ago, they shut us down when we were on a different platform. And uh, I just, I got so pissed I'm off sorry. that I was like, I'm, yeah, you know, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it anymore. Then I was like, you know, I, I told Goose, I said, ah, oh, fuck it. 
Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do what we have. Well, to. um. And I don't know if Chris or Danielle or Sylvia are familiar with some of the social media influencers on TikTok. Um, one of y'all's got an echo. Um, but there's a lady on there that I've seen her on a couple other like podcast shows here on Podbean. She goes by the stage name To A Patriot Mama. And she is one of the most staunchest, you know, child advocates out there raising awareness to like the issues that we're talking about here. And she's been through like 20 plus TikTok accounts where she's gotten mass reported and her and, and permanently banned and she comes back on but to get around the ip address ban that TikTok puts in place she has to use what is called vpn or virtual private network to where she starts up another one you know to continue to push her message we use loud. vpn and and they go to we do yeah, we and, do and have they, vpn they, yeah they're my yeah. vpn and then when they go to ban her again she just well and then when they go to ban her she just turns right back around and starts up another TikTok account because it's like this is her way of saying it's not over until this Patriot Mama sings. Yeah, I mean, we just went through that with our YouTube channel. I knew we were going to. I mean, we just did a show. We interviewed uh, Shane Jenkins. He's uh, one of the January 6th guys that are in prison. Uh, we had him on the show last week uh, live. He called him from prison. And well, um, uh, as soon as it went up on YouTube, they shut my page down. They suspended my page. So I had to well, um, well, they want to say, say, Maverick, that you're spewing misinformation and disinformation, but, mm-hmm. but, but of course, then they have another J Six or Pam Hemphill who, um, all of a sudden she went cuckoo for Cocoa Post because she decided to go all woke and liberal, and 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 she said that you know she she, she was guilty of, of wrongdoing on January sixth. So um, that really just tells you right there. But they, they want to hail her as, as some sort of hero or martyr there. Well, everyone they allowed you to call from jail. So I can touch on that. that he, don't, he, he don't have no gap order. So and the and the phone call is being recorded, so it don't matter. Yeah, they, they mean, want to help him the way celebrity. our system is. But then they're, they're leaving people the way like our Shane system and, is. And they're wanting to leave Shane, Shane in jail to rot, but but they want to celebrate Pam as a hero. I mean, our country is so messed up in every front. But the main one, this one, this one. It's been happening for many years, but we we pretend that we we don't hear, you know, and we we don't just don't listen. This been happening for many years, and, and, and we never do anything about it. These parents going through so much hard time, but they don't believe them. They don't. So we need to start spreading out the world. We have to. We need to yes. help them out. Sylvia, we're going to yes. do everything in our power, Danielle, to help you out. Yes. And we we do have, a, do podcast. have a podcast. Um, it's um, on Thursdays on Rumble and Foxhole. It's called Insight. I-N-S-I-T-E. Here, I'll put it in here. Yeah, go ahead and drop it in the, in the chat room. And our, our and media information, too. And uh, I'll make sure that, that uh, I put it up on it. Yeah, and our um, brother and good friend Gino is the host of that, but we co-host with him, um, and we bring a lot of parents on. Chris was on our show. When was that? Um, but yeah, we we that's where we kind of bring a lot of parents, foster parents. We try to get people from all different angles to talk about what's going on, um, and it's just a good. Uh, place for info and 
that's what I wanted to mention too, is that, you know, Chris had found myself and Sylvia, and that's basically what Rescue the Fosters is. It's a voice for the children because the children don't have a voice um, mm -hmm. at all. And right. it's also becoming a voice for the parents. The parents are finding us and they're wanting to get their story out so that we can go be a voice for their children. So that is exactly what Rescue the Fosters is all about. Um, and so we're really just trying to make it happen. And, and we're, we're trying to be, we're not trying to be very political. We're trying to be just what we are, a voice for the children and the families to reunite families and to uncover this corruption that's going on on both sides. It's not Democrat or Republican. It's both sides. Both sides. That's correct. Right. Yeah. You know, Sylvia, I mean, uh, one uh, of the complaints that I heard about, you know, it's so hard to adopt foster kids or find good foster parents. Mm -hmm. And we kind of need to promote that a little bit more. Because my sister told me, you've got to find some good foster parents where they're well qualified. Well, I it might be able to alleviate to this. You want to hear something well, really funny? My sister <laughs> and my nephew. My, my nephew is a foster kid. My sister is a foster parent and they wouldn't give her to, they wouldn't give my daughter to her. And weren't you a foster parent too, Chris? Um, I wasn't a foster parent, but, um, so three years before this happened, I was actually with another girl that I dated for a couple of years. And before she was, before we got together, she had lost her children. And, um, once, once Steph, uh, like, like I, I provided a stable home for Stephanie. I, you know, I got her clean. She was doing really good. Um, and then, and then DCF came in and actually gave us, gave us the kids back. They put kids in my home. So in 2014, I passed the DCF quarry check at the same DCF office that is attacking me now. Yeah. It, the, the problem is, is that they like the money too much. We have to, there needs to be less children in care. We don't need more foster parents because what that's going to do is that's just going to increase the number of kids right now in Georgia. They have kids staying in hotels uh, with behavior aids because they have no place to take them. But what they will do to a family that is struggling and staying in a hotel is they will remove those kids from that family saying that they don't have stable living conditions and they'll put them in foster care and they'll end up in a, in a hotel that they just took them from. There's, there's no logic. Um, also the, the social workers, they're mostly not trained. Um, they usually don't have a, a degree in social work or psychology. You can have any type of degree as long as it's a bachelor's degree. It can be in music. It can be in uh, culinary. It can be dance. As long as it's a bachelor's degree, you can be a, a, a caseworker. And, you, and then they train you how they want you to act. So they're basically teaching you how to take kids. And a lot of them, they're on license. They don't, they can't even pass the state exam or anything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's really tough. Yeah. That's the thing too. So, um, about eight years before my son was kidnapped, I actually have a degree in psychology. 
and I, I went for a year in grad school for my master's in social work, believe it or not. I ended up leaving and not doing that. But I, I ended up working in a psychiatric facility for children and adolescents for about a year. And I witnessed firsthand that all of the children that were coming in there were foster kids. They were throwing these foster children into the psych hospital, its inpatient setting. They were teaching us how to restrain them and how to keep them in solitary confinement where these rooms actually have padded walls. And there was one day I could not take it anymore. There was a five-year-old boy screaming for my name because I was the only one that seemed to have a heart in there, which is why I ended up having to leave because I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. I was going home crying every single day. And I was, I was dealing with this five-year-old little boy that was screaming because they put him in solitary confinement and he was smearing his poop all over the walls. And the story was that his parents were in jail, which was maybe true, but looking back now, they put parents that they attack and target in jail after kidnapping their children with, on false charges, which is something that they've been trying to do to Chris. Uh, it's something that they've done to many parents that we've spoken to. There's parents sitting in jail right now that were fighting for their children. And who knows where those, where those children are. So long story short, that place that I worked at actually eventually got shut down. Thankfully, I, I, I reported them several times over many years. They're finally shut down. But then eight years later, it happened to me and they kidnapped my son. And I don't have any idea where he is. So... I mean, it, it's literally atrocious. They're throwing these children, like Sylvia said, in hotels, in, in group homes, in psychiatric facilities. And the reason that they're putting them in psychiatric facilities is because they make so much more money. Um, and Sylvia, you can touch on this too, uh, where, where they make more money per child if, if they have behavioral issues or psychiatric issues, they, they're, they're getting more funding for those children. Yeah. And not only that, but they're also giving them medication that they're experimenting on. So this was something else that I noticed that the majority of kids that came through, they had the same diagnosis. And I had a lot of boys on my caseload, a lot of like seven, eight, nine-year-old boys, and they all had the same diagnosis. And that was oppositional defiant disorder, ODD. And it's just it's, it's basically saying that the kid is not following the rules. So they put them on a medication and the medication, the psychotropic medication makes them more aggressive. It makes them suicidal. And then some of the medication that they use is not even a psychotropic medication. They use clonidine for insomnia. Clonidine is an adult blood pressure medicine. And what it does is it, it basically slows the, the blood. And so it just basically makes them fall over. Uh, but they use that on children. I've had uh, like six, seven, eight years old. Um, and then the other medications are anxiety. But anxiety medicine actually makes them more suicidal and aggressive. And then the combination of medicines, it depends on, on that as well. Um, and so I was learning what medications you can combine together and which ones you cannot, because um, it, it's like they can't control their body. 
Like they're, they're, they go to school and they're throwing things. They're tearing the room up. Um, it bloats them to where they're big. Like these 12 years old would be way bigger than me, an adult. It, um, one 12 year old, she was like 200 pounds, you know? So then you, you're having to control them and it's very difficult. Um, it's a lot of issues that need to be looked at. Sylvia, who invited you to Miami that day that we met you there? Christy, Christy Tasker. Okay. You you know Christy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Chris, That's nice. Christy yep. Tasker yes. for Miami. We need her to get yes. into office. Yes. She is really yeah. going up against the corruption there in Miami. She's like, she's the one that I interviewed. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yes. <laughs> she said, oh, that was a good interview. She posted and everything. That was, yeah. <laughs> How'd she get picked up? Yes. Yeah. We need, we need her. I, I met her on Megan Walsh's case. That's how I met her. That's yeah. nice. Yeah. See, Maverick, how things work. I mean, it's amazing how we, through investigation and interviewing people, meeting people like Sylvia, Danielle, we find things that is is hard to believe. I know. It's what's going on in our country today, and people need to wake up. This is this is our serious business. I mean, when you see a, a whistleblower from Homeland Security. Uh, testifying, saying that we cannot account for 85,000 kids, that's an issue. Yes. That's a big issue. And I come all together to this show today with Sylvia and Daniel. It's been going on for many years. Ah, yes. I can't believe this. I mean, now, uh, Sylvia, do you have any insight about organ trafficking i.e the kids we had one uh guest on our show it was um i have to think of what her name was but um i might have to send i might have to go through and send you that one but she she's done a lot of investigation at the border and um she was talking about the organ houses that they came across but I mean, it's a little bit more quiet than the sex trafficking, of course, mm-hmm. uh, because the sex trafficking, I worked with those victims. Um, organ harvesting, I don't, I don't, I don't think I don't, those people survive. You know what I mean? Yes. So, so one of the so, big things I've heard and researched is the uh, the baby factories in Ukraine. And that's where they, uh, they've been doing a lot of that stuff. And supposedly Putin went in and, and destroyed them all. Uh, exactly, that's exactly why we're funding Ukraine, because we don't want these things to come out. Yep. All the secret labs that we have there and all the things that we're doing there. Putin all knows. This, all day, all day. There. Yeah. yeah, that's why Putin goes and went in there. Because he knows. You got to listen to uh, <coughs> the speeches that he do, uh, Putin. Oh, he, he's and a lot of man. stuff. Yeah, a lot of stuff sounded the same thing that we agree. I mean, yeah. do you know? It's, it's amazing. Do you know that Putin in 2012 actually banned uh, adoptions 
out of Russia to America because he said there were too many pedophiles in America. I agree with. <laughs> I mean, I agree with him too. The number we one consumer of child pornography is America. We have one in the White House. Yeah. yeah. Or, or is that really yeah. him? They, is it? <laughs> well, we don't want to go there, but it's, 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 it's true. It's, it's well, true. Um, get, us kicked, get us kicked off again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm only looking at what I see, and I mean, there was two big old balls hanging off just of his read, chin. Just read between the lines. That sound like Brown. <laughs> I mean, every um, everybody can see. This, um, I will say this about the the supposed like 81 million voters who voted for for Biden. Like, um, are you happy with what you're seeing now, or are you um, missing Trump already? That's what I would like to know. Well, see, Eric, when you say the 81 million, it was a typo. It was 81 only. We talk about funding because obviously this issue is about funding to, uh, you know, we send money everywhere. Like we send, <laughs> you guys are going to believe this. We send every $80 million to the Taliban every month. Wow. Every and, month. and of course, the you know, and I also, also every freaking month, said. every eighty million dollar to the Taliban through the UN, we send to the Taliban. And who get that money? Who keep it? The gangster from the Taliban. Yeah, eighty yeah. million dollar. Well, I just got that wow. news yesterday. Yeah. And and, and and the people who were who were so thrilled that Biden won the last election, like. Like, why, why are they still so mad at Trump and 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 just dumping on him like like nobody's business is what I would like to know. Um, you know, can they not name us one good thing Biden and the Democrats have done and they, and they all have to focus on Trump about how he's such a horrible human being? I know it sucked not being in wars, didn't it? Right. You just got to follow well, the money. You know, his policies and you, were great. And you, fight and you find the corruption. Just follow well, the money. On, they're focusing on Trump because they know what's coming. They know they can't. They're not going to hold on to power, so they're doing like everything. They well, the Trump Trump is older, left and right. Yeah. Nothing can stop well, what's coming. But it's like Serbia say and Danielle, we can't really blame a party for what's going on with this big issue: human trafficking and stealing babies, stuff like that. Everybody's guilty about it because they haven't done anything. Daniel went through five different judges. Nice. None of them did anything for her. Mm-hmm. So, and they continue. They keep passing the ball left and right. Nobody do anything about it. Nope. Yeah, five no. judges, 15 attorneys. Uh, many people know about my story. To be To be factual, we're all paying for trafficking right now. We're all paying for it. Mm-hmm. Sylvia, take the and Danielle, take the case to the court yourself. I mean, the the only thing that you're gonna need a lawyer is when you go and they give you the day to go to trial, and then you need a lawyer to be there with you. But but you, you, you can, can take, the, take case. the case. Well, that's what we ended up doing. We ended up doing it ourselves, and then that that's when the judge stepped in and said the Constitution does not apply in his courtroom. And. <laughs> He, he basically brought a bailiff next to us and said, if we opened our mouth one more time in our court hearing where we were going pro se at that point, he said that we would be in jail. 
So I basically told him to his face that he was not God, he was not my father, that he didn't give me my child, he can't take away my child, only God can do that. And he didn't like that, so he stomped off like a child and ended the court hearing. Well, he just gave you a God order for for two minutes that you were in court, and and maybe don't apply when you got out of that court. <laughs> so you got to continue talking, Daniel. You can't stay quiet. You see, you got I mean, don't stop. Oh, we're not stopping. Yeah. Somebody will hear you. We can't stop. We have no, we have because big it, plans for these people. Big plans. It happened to you today. It could happen to my kids tomorrow. And more of me that I do have five girls. I know that we have one day baby stuff like that. I would go crazy. I mean, I think you girls being too nice. <laughs> I, I might go crazy. I, I might. I, I really you. You will hear me in the national news. Something like that. Happens they they life. won't put you on the national news though. They they won't put you anywhere. It's it's well, like they want to keep us silenced. It's the it, way I would go out. I think they would put me in the national news. Uh, yeah, but for the wrong reason. <laughs> Dude, I, I have it. It has been very hard not to 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 make national news the wrong I know, way. I know, Chris. I don't want to give you a bad idea, but I just said myself. Oh, oh no! Oh, oh no! I, I have I have all those thoughts in my mind, but like I told you, I want to do things the hard way. I, I'm really hard headed. Uh, I don't I don't take the easy road. I know, I know it's got to be freaking is, tough. It's got to be tough for you girls and guys. I mean, and, I mean the, the thing about it is that so many people have said that to me over the last seven years. They're like, oh, well, that wouldn't happen to me because if it did, you know, everybody would know. Like, I, I'd be dead. And, and I'm thinking to myself, well, how would that help well, what does that do? That would, exactly. that would just be one dead father with a, with a mother going through it herself, a still trafficked child, and still and still trafficking everywhere. So yeah, we have to all come yeah. together. Yeah. And that's yeah. what they want you to do. I'll tell you they the only reason I didn't do it is because of my 19 year old daughter. She needs me. Um, when you were talking about the judge that you told off a while ago, Danielle, to me, I think that judge along with other corrupt judges would be perfect candidates for a thing called a citizen's arrest. Yes. Definitely. Amen. Syria, why because, we don't do... Because I've seen egregious Fourth and Fifth Amendment violations that, that, that y'all were victims of. The Fourth Amendment pertains to unreasonable search and seizure where, where y'all's children were basically kidnapped by the Child Protective Services system for no apparent reason. And, um, and, and, and the court system and, and law enforcement don't seem to have the cojones to take a stand and do what is right. And, and they continue to, to condone this kind of egregious behavior. And then y'all's Fifth Amendment rights were violated because y'all did not really get a right to due process to have y'all's case heard in front of a judge and in front of a jury of your peers. Correct. Yep. Yep. We we know that these people don't give a damn about anybody. Then we violate you and anybody else. There's no oversight. There's nobody that that takes account to them. Now, Sylvia, did anybody approach you like that group that made the movie the human trafficking the angel that come and and all these people did that approach you to like i mean if they make a movie about this what's going on specifically in our hospital and everything i think it would you know if you can um, get me in contact i have not had um like i said i have been on megan walsh's case for the last year i have reached out to 
uh, James O'Keefe, he promises stuff that never comes through. Project Veritas has, I, I literally started recording my uh, meetings when I was in the foster system because I was so afraid that something was going to happen to a child and they would blame it on me that I started recording our meetings and I sent those to Project Veritas two years ago. They will not report it. They will not show it. I have the quotas. I started printing out the quotas. I turned them over. Nobody will report on this. I cannot get anyone to do it. You guys want to hear a little secret about James O'Keefe? So, so there's a man from New Hampshire named Mike Gill. Now, Mike Gill was a 650 millionaire. Like he built the biggest um, equity firm in the country. He was a big horse racing guy. So he was up in the elite, elite status. Well, this man came across some serious money laundering out of New Hampshire. And this, this goes all the way up to uh, basically the deep state. He says that there is $985 billion hiding in New Hampshire through the LLCs. Now, he had brought in this stuff to James O'Keefe. And apparently, James O'Keefe is actually an operative. Now, don't, don't quote me totally, but this is just his story. But James O'Keefe uses his journalistic... Um, power to collect blackmail. Now, Mike, Mike Gill took all of his information to um, General Flynn and them, and apparently General Flynn and them have been hiding it also. So everybody has to keep their head on a swivel. Everybody's got to keep their eyes open, and I, and I definitely suggest going on YouTube and watching The State of Corruption because um, he goes through and he lays out all of his evidence he he was on camera at the fbi um he's calling them all out um it, it's it's a really insane situation with huge uh drug laundering uh drug and money laundering um apparently there's a man named dick angost out of new hampshire who does deal who was doing deals with um el chapo they were running guns uh for heroin and fentanyl and it, it goes to the highest echelons. It, it, it's a real eye-opener story. If, if, if you guys want to go check it out, I, I suggest it. Good information. Maybe that's why people want to go to Afghanistan. It was not a weapon of mass destruction. I guess it's all that drug that they got there. <laughs> well, everybody knows it was the CIA that was growing all the poppy and bringing it back here. It is crazy what's going so on. At, in it regards crazy. to Veritas, I actually reached out to them, I think it was a year and a half ago, about or maybe two years ago, probably around the same time. I reached out to them with my entire story and all facts and evidence. And all they said back to me at that time was that they wanted insiders they didn't want parents that were fighting trafficking they wanted insiders with cps and other people, other people. so and then uh, sylvia <laughs> was an insider 
they told me that I they wanted uh, insiders because I had already left the system. They said they wanted somebody still in the system. And I'm like, well, I have the I have the recordings. I have the documentation. But they kept saying, no, we want somebody in right now. Well, the people that are in right now are terrified. Uh, there's only a few caseworkers that I know that are in the system. And they're very terrified because they are retaliated against. And I'm not just talking about uh, retaliated that they're going to lose their job. But one caseworker talks about being poisoned. Uh, she's had her uh, life threatened. Um, there's another one I talked to. She's had her life threatened. She's had death threats. I mean, these are, these are serious retaliations. They're not just, you're going to lose your job. Nancy Schaefer. Yeah. Nancy. Um, Amber mentioned her a while ago. You know, she was like a former Georgia state legislature. She was murdered by her husband who then turned around and took his own life. But, but Amber like very strongly believes that there was something very sinister behind that Whole, like, murder, that's that's why they do. They commit suicide. You find two shot in the head. I don't know how that happened. They they murdered both of them and then yes. said it was his fault. Yes, that's yeah. what they do. You find people with two shot in the head and they say, "Well, he committed hey, suicide." Look at, look at where they oh. look at where they found the main shooter. Two shots in the head. Yeah, in the woods. Yeah. Oh, he did it himself. He pulled the trigger twice. I'm sure he did. And and for 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 you to commit suicide, it would only just take one fatal blow. And but for it to be like two two fatal blows, I think that would just be very questionable right there. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I, if there's anybody who works in law enforcement who um has the courage to come on and and give us like an expert opinion on that, I mean, Ma Maverick, would welcome you coming on. I can't Much ask like somebody. Like, I I can't ask my. Uh, <clears throat> I don't want to put it out yeah. there, but. And I know of at least one person who works in like the defect system here in Georgia, but, but I think because she's an active employee, and, and I, I know, I've, granted, I've not talked to her in a few years, I mean, I probably... I can ask a forensic, gonna... a forensic analyst will be able to tell you. I got somebody like that. Yeah. You're close to me. But, but, <laughs> but the defects employee that, that, that used to be like a family friend, I don't know if she still is or not. Um, like I said, I hadn't talked to her in a few years. The reason... I'm, I'm going to withhold hold her name or which county she works for is I don't want to risk her getting fired from her job or her getting in any kind of legal trouble. But it, but I mean, that would just be information I would probably have to send off the record. I might be good to answer in one minute. Let me call. <laughs> I never thought. Well, it's a little late now. I, I mean, we're running out of time. Um, I got to keep this to two hours in order for the stations, the radio stations to keep it. Um, but I want to uh, thank uh, Danielle and Sylvia for coming on. Uh, we definitely uh, want to continue with you guys and uh, and Chris. Sorry, We'd love to have them back for a future show. Yeah, get you guys back when 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 you know. Keep in touch with me and um, yes, thank you so keep, much. And definitely one hundred percent. Chris to address Chris and Danielle and Sylvia. Maverick and I will work on getting y'all contact information for both Amber May and for John DeVito, who have done like s similar shows about about what tonight was discussed here. Um, and I'm sure as many podcasts as we could possibly get y'all featured on, hopefully y'all's story you know gets out to as many people as possible and that it resonates with people. That would be awesome. Thank you so much. Yep. Thank and, you. and if y'all, um, 
please look us up on Thursday nights, um, 7.30 p.m. Uh, it's Danielle and I and Gina. We can send you the information on yes. that, too. Send me, yeah, send me all that. That'd be nice. That'd be nice. And, and right. thank y'all. No, yeah, no, we thank you for coming on and sharing your story. And um, like I said, we'll do whatever we can to uh, push your story out there. I mean, tonight we just did. So, I mean, you yes. went out to over a million people. So, hopefully that's Hey, help. I got the answer. Yes, you could be shot twice in the head. By yourself? Not you. Yeah. How can you? I, I got that from forensic analyst. You can shoot, you can shoot yourself twice in the head. Uh, yes. that's, that's interesting. That's for another yes. story. And let me see what I say. What I say. What I say. I don't it believe is. it. I don't believe, I don't believe it. it. I say yes. No. The first hit might have not been enough. Well, yeah. it, it depends where you shot yourself. Yeah, maybe. They, and then hey, this bad. is high. This is a high 4.0 University yeah. of Florida analyst. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't say anything else. I don't want to put, you know. I'll tell you, Mahavid. You know that I tell you of life. Um, but again, yeah, I want to thank Danielle and Sylvie for coming out. Make sure you guys check out their webpage. Uh, I believe did you put that in the. Uh... I and I saved that, that email as a screenshot. Okay. Yeah. And I'm posting there. the I'll, website. I'll Hey, well, Siri, I'll, I thought this I'll was going to be... We'll get you hooked up with uh, Amber. Siri, too. I thought we were going to be only here like 30 minutes or 40 minutes. Take <laughs> two hours. Yeah. And we still have <laughs> six more hours to go. <laughs> yes, there's so much to talk about. And there's yeah. we still have not covered anything. I didn't tell you all of the stories that happened while I was working in the group home. <laughs> or all the yeah, gang they, stuff. You thought, you thought all... the thirty-minute interview went fast. <laughs> yeah, I mean we haven't we haven't covered anything. So Still anybody can start their own company. Um, uh... <laughs> yeah, yes. like you have the gang members doing it. Anybody can do it. Well, we'll get your we'll get your word out there. We'll get you on other shows. And uh, 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 Bravo's not here, Eric. He left already, I think. No, oh, Bravo never came in. No, oh, he must just left us then. Because um, I guess if he was still here, we would offer an end of show prayer. But, but I mean, I could probably do one as good as him. All right, Eric. Yeah, but that you do that. We need. Well, I guess in honor of Bravo, um, you know, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this Wednesday evening, and thank you for um, you know blessing us with having Chris and Sylvia and. Danielle, like, come on, Maverick and Goose's Soccer 82 Alpha podcast to um, sh share their story and for Amber's contribution to the show and the, the people who came in, including Mark and Miss Dixie and other regulars here on the podcast. And we pray that, that the people listening to this will open their eyes and ears, you know, to the truth and, um, you know, and we'll get back closer to you. And, um, and with the holiday season coming up, um, we, we just pray and ask humbly for your blessings and um, and and ask that you, you continue to bless us all with, with so much more and, and bless us again next week with another compelling episode of this podcast and so much more in, in Jesus' holy name. Amen. 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 Good job, Eric. Good job. Eric. <laughs> well, I think um, y'all might be telling Bravo to eat his heart out right about now, but I think Bravo's Got to get back on his A game next week, right, Maverick and Goose? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, he's doing. 
But all right, um, before they run run us off, here, I was in time out. Uh, again, I was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> again, thank you, uh, Sylvia and, and Danielle for coming on. Um, thank we'll be in touch, uh, and I'll get you hooked up with uh, Amber because uh, I, I was glad Amber came in. I sent her the invite uh, to make sure because I know she has done a lot of different uh, shows on on these yeah. types of things, and she knows a lot of people. So uh, I'll awesome. get. Her you guys hooked up with her and uh all right thank well, you so much uh, and i are. i look forward to um this next chapter and finding malachi Absolutely. and bringing yes. home addy exactly. yes all right well i want to thank everybody for coming out tonight uh i want to thank all the stations that were listening in tonight live um uh, we'll be back next Wednesday night I think it's all. we're using the same sun uh, uh, right there. We found somebody from uh, from Miami that gave us a sun. Now we played that in the show. Well, we played oh, it in nice. the beginning. Yeah, we played yeah. it. You met him too. I think you were talking to, to him. It was Teddy, Teddy Miller, I think his name is. Yeah, Teddy Miller. Oh, but, all right. Well, that's it for tonight. And uh, we'll be back next Wednesday, 7 p.m. Yeah! All right. Hey, bye, guys. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you so much. Hey, this is Alex Jones. If you're looking Take for a true Greece. American podcast, listen to my friends Maverick and Goose Live every Wednesday night. My people of this Good night. We have a pleasant tomorrow, everybody. They ban us. They can't us for speaking the flag. If you man enough, come stand with us. Take USA back. And every time we pull up, all you're going to see is American flag.
Turning fabric to ash But every time we pull up All you're gonna see is American flags 